Hey mama, is the number one dream in your heart to have more time to be present with your kids? Do you wish you could be present enough to help create and instill godly character? Yet you are so busy with work, drowning in the to-dos, the laundry, and the carpool lines. Hi, I'm Michelle, a mom to three energetic kids, wife to an amazing guy, and daughter of the king. For years, I tried to manage my home while struggling to still have time to pour into my kids. The guilt was overwhelming and the to-do list just kept growing. And I was completely overwhelmed and stressed until I realized that I could create systems in my life and my motherhood that would change everything. In this podcast, you will learn time management, batching, habit stacking, setting boundaries, home organization, outsourcing, and you better believe we are going to be dishing out some chores so we can create hours of intentional time to pour into our kids since that is our number one priority as vibrant moms. Grab that lukewarm coffee. Let's stop time. Hey friends, are you overwhelmed at the thought of decluttering? Maybe wondering how you're going to have the time to fit into cluttering as a busy work from home mom. It may feel like just one more addition to your to-do list, right? In this episode, I have a special guest, Emily McDermott, who will give us tips on how to fit decluttering into our busy schedule and just the huge benefits of decluttering for a small amount of time invested. I think you're really going to enjoy it. We had so much fun talking all about the three C's of decluttering and how that can help you and what huge benefits you have. So grab a notebook, maybe some coffee, and come hang out with us as Emily and I talk about all things decluttering. I'm super excited to bring you one of my friends, Emily McDermott. She is amazing. So we'll just get started. She is a wife, a mother of two energetic boys and a simplicity seeker. She is also the host of the top 1.5% globally rated podcast, Moms Overcoming Overwhelm. And she helps moms declutter their homes, their heads, and their hearts. Isn't that awesome? Emily enjoys writing poetry, dancing, and eating peanut butter out of the jar. Who doesn't, right? (laughs) So I'm excited to have you on my podcast, my friend. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me, Michelle. I'm so glad that we're finally doing this. We've been talking about it for a while. I know. I know. It always, life is busy. So yeah, I'm super excited to hang out with you. Anything else you want to add as we're kind of getting started? No, just that podcasting has been kind of fun, right? That's sort of how you and I connected and we have a heart for overwhelmed, busy moms. So it's just great to be able to reach mamas in this way. It's just really a blessing. So thanks again for having me. Yeah, so true. So true. All right. We are going to just dive right in. So grab a piece of paper if you want, or I love taking notes on my phone, on the app, the notes app, if you're able to, if not, if you're driving and you don't have your hands available, just don't worry and listen in. 
So we're going to talk today about where to start decluttering as a busy work from home mom. Working from home, you have so many hats to manage your home, your business, your kiddos, your family, and all the things. So how do you fit in decluttering as well? Yeah. So if we look at decluttering as decision-making, because that's really what it is, we're having to make decisions about our stuff, whether we keep it, donate it, how we're letting it go. We don't want to start with the things that are the hardest things to make decisions about. So a lot of people, they'll maybe recommend that you start in your closet. I do not recommend that. Because a couple things, first of all, sometimes you feel like you have to take everything out and then it's all on your bed. And then you're like, oh my gosh, the baby's waking up or, oh my gosh, I have to go pick up my kid at school. And then you have like this huge mess on your bed. So also there's a lot of aspirational clutter that we deal with as moms, which is like two kids and 15 pounds ago, I used to wear this. And if only I could get my act together and lose the weight, then I would be wearing this. If only my husband took me out on date nights more often, I could wear this pretty dress. We have a lot of that in our closet. So we don't want to start with that emotional baggage. So we want to start in the most unsentimental, unemotional areas possible. And I actually recommend starting with your car, which isn't even in your house because it is a small contained area, mostly trash or things that need to be returned to your home or someplace, right? Like library or something like that. And you're able to make that quick win, you know, be able to clean it pretty quickly. And then you get to enjoy that benefit of being in a clean space. So I always say car, bathrooms, laundry room, linen closet, coat closet, some of these things that is just easier decision-making, then you can start moving into the bedrooms and the storage areas and those types of things. Like an easy win. Don't set yourself up for disaster at the beginning by, as you said, taking everything out and doing the Marie Kondo style of like declutter the whole thing. It's just too much. Yeah, it's too much. It's not really feasible for busy work from home moms. And if you think about weight training, like you wouldn't start your weight training journey by grabbing the 50 pound weight and trying to lift it over your head. You would start with the smaller weights until you're able to handle those. Then you're like, wow, okay, I can do this. And that's your decision-making muscles. So you think about, we're going to be flexing our decision-making muscles, getting them to be stronger. So then when you get to the more sentimental, emotional, the gifts that were given to you, and you feel guilty getting rid of them, these types of things, you're going to have that momentum and you're going to have proven to yourself with these small wins that you can make these decisions So it's easier to make those harder ones down the line. Yeah, I love that. Decluttering is definitely like a muscle that you just have to Mm -hmm. start using. And the more you do it, the easier it gets. I've also heard of like the onion method. Are you aware of that one? Who just like you declutter one, you kind of go through one space one time and then you, you know, maybe after a few months, you come back around to that space and do it again. I think it's so handy. Yeah. That's funny. You say the onion method, because I've talked about that a little bit, but I didn't even know that that was a thing. And I say, you know, eventually when you're getting to that harder stuff, it might bring some tears (laughs) kind of like an onion because you're kind of dealing with that super sentimental stuff. And that is more emotional. And when you're starting with the outer layers of the onion, it's a little bit easier and not as 
not as emotional, but I find the women that I help, they're able to prove things to themselves that they can do this with the small wins. And then they're having less of an attachment to their stuff. So when they start getting to the more sentimental things, things they never thought that they could let go of, they're able to do that. And then they're able to really enjoy the emotional benefits, the mental clutter that is lifted from not having to manage all of this inventory. Cause it's kind of like what it is, right? It's just a bunch of inventory knowing, okay, what summer clothes do my kids have that I'm going to need to change out or what bigger sizes do they have? So wait, what size is, you know, is this like a four T and they're in three T like there's so much mental clutter that goes on as being a mom, just from being an inventory manager. So if you have less inventory, then you have less of that mental clutter to worry about too. Yeah. I love that an inventory manager. Cause that's, that's basically what you are. And I think that's the huge benefit of decluttering. Once you start doing it and you work that muscle, you realize that there's less and less on your plate to manage. Mm-hmm. You have less pairs of shoes that are sitting at the bottom of the stairs that you're tripping over every day. You have less clothes to wash because they just have less. You have less stuff to manage and like sweatshirts to pick up, right? That people leave somewhere. Not to say your kids still won't leave things places, but oh yeah, to say like less stuff to just kind of keep track of and manage. Yeah. And I feel like that's something that's kind of the hidden, I don't know, the hidden weight of motherhood is just the management of all of this. And we just take it on as like, well, this is my responsibility and this is what I do, but we don't think that there could be a different way where we don't have to manage as much. And we don't think about our clutter, taking up our time and our energy and all of these things that are required when you are constantly picking things up or moving them around so you can clean around them and all of this, it all is taxing those resources that we want to pour into our family and our business, but we can't because we are feeling stuck in that sort of stuff manager role, which is really tough. Right. I think, as you said, it's kind of an unseen energy sucker that you're like, why am I so tired after the end of the day? Well, you've been picking up stuff and you've been, as you said, making decisions about things. Why is this here? Where should this go? And that's just draining after a while that you don't even notice. Yeah. The only other thing I talk a lot about decision fatigue and how it's connected to stuff and clutter. So supposedly the average number of decisions that we make a day is 35,000, but I think that it's more for moms because we're making decisions on behalf of our family members. So when we think about stuff as choices, and then we have to make decisions between the choices, like if I have 10 shirts and you have 50, you are going to have a more difficult decision when you get dressed in the morning than I do because I have less choices. So we don't think about that decision fatigue factor. And then at the end of the day, I always say like when my husband wants to talk about planning or finances or taxes, I'm like, I'm putting on Netflix, like, don't bother me. I don't want to talk to you (laughs) because we're just done, right? We're just done with all the decisions for the day. So if you think about what unnecessary decisions can I remove from my life? That's one of the questions that I always tell people to ask themselves constantly because the more we can simplify those decisions, the more we're freeing up that energy to put towards what matters more. Yeah, that's huge. And so I think it's 
it's just, yes, I love like the whole topic of decluttering and all the things. So <laughs> you're speaking my language. I know. So as um, a busy mom, you're like, okay, this is awesome. Decluttering, great, cool, cool. But how do I fit this into my schedule? I'm already busy. I'm already trying to work and get things done and take kids places. And how do I fit in decluttering as well? Yeah, I get that question all the time because we're all busy, right? And I always recommend doing, you know, maybe 10 or 15 minutes at a time. And the way that you can do that is we're not doing, like you said, the Marie Kondo, like throw everything on the bed. (laughs) So let's take our closet, for example, like, let's say that you are at the point when you feel like, okay, I can kind of handle my closet. You want to go ahead and pick just one subcategory of clothing. So let's say you're going to focus today on tank tops and you're just going to take out the tank tops that you have. And you're going to look through them. And I even play this kind of as a game with my kids, with their clothing or with their toys. And we call it love, like, maybe no. So we're going to start with the loves. And when you look in your closet, you might have natural separations for the different categories, or you might want to do something, which is what I recommend, which is usually take masking tape or like a little piece of tape so that you can actually have a physical boundary around, let's say, tank tops. All the tank talks that I'm going to keep are going to stay within this boundary. And then you start putting things back with what you love, maybe what you like, but if nothing else fits, then you're going to be making some, which we can talk about a little later, kind of making decisions based upon that. But just looking at tank tops, if you're like, the only thing I'm going to do today is my tank tops, that should maybe take you that 10 or 15 minutes. And then the next day you can focus on that next category. Yeah, I love that. That is a great great option to just start small, right? You're starting with a junk drawer or you're starting with, I'm just going to declutter my shoes. I'm just going through my shoes in my closet. That's it. I'm going to set the timer for 15 minutes and see what I get done. But I love that. of like, you've also maxed out, okay, this is the time I'm going to do it, right? 15 minutes. And then you've also set a boundary for yourself ever. I can keep anything that fits between these two things of tape or in this drawer or in this allotted space. And you kind of realize which ones are your favorites that you tend to wear all the time. And you're not going to wear those other ones anyway. And they're just taking up space. When's the last time you did wear them? If you were to reach into the door and grab a tank top, would it be one of those? Yeah. I've heard of the thing. I think it's called the Pareto principle, but having to do with clothing, it's like the 2080 that 80% of your results come from 20% of what you do. In this case for clothing, it's that you wear 20% of your clothing, 80% of the time. And I've heard that before. I'm like, oh, that's so true because we're always going for our favorites. And I had someone on the podcast and her name, of course, I'm not remembering it. She's with Everyday Style with Jen, but she's a stylist It has a podcast. And she said, your closet should not be a museum for the things that fit you five years ago or a warehouse for the things that might fit you in five years, <laughs> that they should just be what you love and what fits you now. And so that. if you're able to do that and say, okay, I can go in my closet. I don't feel bad about myself for what I weigh. I don't feel bad that I'm in a season of my life that I'm wearing leggings and athleisure every day of my life. You know, just being able to actually say, wow, I want to wear a hundred percent 
of what's in my closet. Like how freeing is that as far as our emotion and our time and all of those things? Yeah. I love the visual of like, it's not a warehouse or it's not like a fashion place where you're just looking at things. It's your actual closet that you use things and go in and take things out. So you're mentioning beforehand some really fun tips about kind of CCC. What is your thoughts around those? I like to try to keep things simple. (laughs) And also I'm a a poet and I enjoy alliteration. So (laughs) these are the the three C's if you're talking about kind of the specific how-tos of decluttering. And the first one really is not maybe logical to most people, but it's checking your consumption because we hear all the time in this simplicity decluttering space, and I'm sure you do too, Michelle, all this stuff keeps coming into my home. Am I ever going to be done decluttering? I feel like I'm doing this all the time. And we don't think about what's coming into our home that is the issue. So if you keep bringing all this stuff into your house, it's going to make it really hard to get to a place where you feel like you're in that maintenance decluttering. And I just found some interesting recent stats that Americans make up to 156 impulse purchases every year, spending over $5,000 annually. So if you think about how easy it is to make those impulse purchases, especially online and how quickly things can come to your door, then it's really easy also to get things, but then we don't have the time to return them. And then the return window lapses. And then we're having all this stuff in our trunk that's from, you know, six months ago. So really being more intentional with your purchases, having more of a values-based spending strategy can really help you from having less work on the back end when it comes to decluttering. So that would be my first C. Love it. I love it. Yeah. I think also with that, we often have, as you said, it's so easy to make purchases, to just order something on your phone through Amazon and it shows up. And there's so many ways that things are coming into our home that we really have to figure out a good way to get things out. Like what is a good exit plan? Do you have a bucket in the garage that you're filling with things you don't need And then when there's a garage sale or something, you can give it away. But I think that's one of the hardest things is you acquire things super easily. And then you're like, now I have these things. Maybe you use them. Maybe you don't. Maybe you feel shameful about the fact that you bought it and it didn't work. And now you spent money on it. Now what do you do? So many things. Yeah, there's a lot of guilt Uh, related to clutter and then also fear, like fear of missing out if you needed it someday, like I might use it someday. So there's a lot of that, that you need to really work through to say like, okay, you know, the money's already been spent. Like in the case of, I spent so much for it, or I paid so much money. You already spent the money. You don't have to keep paying with your time and your energy and your thoughts and everything around this thing. It's okay to say, Hey, I made a mistake. I'm going to be more intentional with how I buy things in the future. And then have a really like low barrier, low friction when it comes to letting things go. Of course, we want to give things to the perfect person in the perfect situation. But when we don't have that time and energy, 
at the beginning, I recommend just doing what you need to do to get it out of your house. And I kind of give people that permission slip <laughs> to just be like, get it out of the house, do the donation pickup. There's a ton of pickup services now in most places. Then you can be more discerning as you kind of move along in your journey, as you get to those other layers of the onion, like you were talking about. And then you can say, okay, I want to use my local buy nothing group and give it to a neighbor. I want to use this specific charity to help women, you know, then you can be more discerning, but at the beginning, you're digging yourself out of that clutter. You just need to get it out of your house and just give yourself that permission and grace to know okay, this is what I'm doing now, but I can be more discerning in the future. I love that. Cause that's a huge stumbling block. I think where people are like, well, I just don't know the right person to give it to, or I have these things and they were great for me. And I just want them to go to a new home. So then those things never end up getting to getting out the door because they're always like, I just need to find that person. Yeah. And so I find like also in every area of, well, my life, I can't speak for everyone. Perfectionism is a big issue and perfectionism and procrastination are tied because if you want things to go to the perfect place and have it be done in the perfect way, and I can only declutter if I have an entire weekend to myself without my husband and kids there, that is likely not going to happen. And so we're kind of like putting these constraints on ourselves when really it's like, okay, we can kind of take that messy action, like just doing a little bit is okay, giving it to Salvation Army or driving to Goodwill for the first year is okay. And then, okay, then I can kind of shift things incrementally. I know you talk a lot about habits and, you know, behavior change. And I I geek out on habits too, but it's really that 1% shift to something better. You don't have to be like all or nothing. Like if I can't do it this way, it's not worth doing at all because it will never happen. Your brain will always find excuses for you to hold on to things and for you to do something else besides decluttering your house, because there's always something to do. We never run out of things to do. So can we make that friction and that, you know, have a lower bar of entry to doing it? And then you're like, oh, this isn't so hard. It's like that momentum thing we were talking about at the beginning. Yeah, I love that. And that's just giving people, I think, especially moms, a little bit of grace, right? That's saying like, this doesn't have to be perfect. You don't have to have, as you said, a whole weekend. And if you did have a whole weekend without your husband and kids, would you really want to like declutter the whole house? (laughs) No, that's what you would want to do when they're gone. Yeah. No, I've never met anyone that wants to do that. And it's funny you say that because when people hold on to clothing, they're like, okay, well, these were my favorite jeans back in, you know, 2015 or something. So I'm going to hold on to them. Well, if you actually like lose the weight, are you really going to want to wear the jeans for 2015? No, you're going to want to go and buy new jeans because you just lost the weight and you feel fabulous. So we like, again, tell ourselves these stories and that's what keeps us stuck and unable to move forward because it's like that perfectionism again. So I'm really on a mission to say, no, you do have the time because I'm only asking for like five, 10 minutes and it counts. You get moldy leftovers out of your fridge. It counts. That's decluttering your fridge. Like it's all adding up to something. So don't just be like, well, if I can't do it for four hours, what's the point? So hopefully that inspires. Yeah. Hopefully it inspires some of our, our mamas out there, our ladies that are like, Oh man, this is just something that would be nice, but it'll never happen. 
Wait. It can happen. You can do it right now while you're listening to us. It's okay. We give you permission, right? <laughs> Total permission. Take just 15 minutes and declutter as you're listening to something fun. I know I love decluttering as my kids are in that area. I try to declutter when my kids are around so that it, cause it can be noisy. It's some, not something I need quiet for. So I try to do it like maybe on the weekend when everybody's watching football in the living room, I'll like declutter a drawer or declutter something that like, I'm still hanging out. I'm like with everybody watching football, but I'm taking maybe 15 minutes to declutter something. And then it also doesn't feel like it's so much of a task. Yeah. Yeah. You have to do it as part of your everyday life, or it's really not going to happen because it's so hard to like take time aside for something like that. Right. Now, what was your second C? Yeah. Second C is capacity. So I'm really big on this too, that our capacity to manage things and how much we own shouldn't be dictated by the square footage of our home, but our ability to actually manage the stuff. So that kind of goes back to the inventory manager, stuff manager. And there's been since like 1920, there's been an over a hundred percent increase in the size of the American home. So it used to be like a thousand square feet. Now the average is 2,300, 2,500. So if I think about my grandmother, you know, born during the depression and me, I don't think that she had any less capacity or different capacity to manage a home, but yet our homes are so much bigger now. And so they're filled with so much stuff. And then so many Americans have storage spaces, uh, offsite storage. They can't put their cars in their garage, no judgment if that's you, but just like our capacity as humans to manage things and as moms hasn't necessarily changed generation to generation, but we have more to manage than anyone, I think, in generations past. So what can you manage? And then also your kids, like when you think about the number of toys, so many people, they say, well, my kids, they just like are bored or they like dump their toys and they move on to the next thing. They're overwhelmed by the amount of stuff because they can't handle or manage what they have. So you don't need more toys. You actually need less toys <laughs> so they can actually have the capacity to handle it. So I'm very big on this capacity-based decluttering. I'm trying to make it a thing. So maybe you can help me. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Cause you, I think moms kind of realize this because if you do a toy rotation and you take out a specific amount of toys, you know, you find that your kids will play with the other toys more because they have less. There's less, as you said, to make decisions. There's less to be like, well, I don't know how many, which thing I want to play with. There's like a hundred things here versus I have 10 things. And I'm going to pick which couple I want. So I know uh, a lot of friends who do kind of toy rotations, especially I think it also helps if your house is a little bit smaller and you don't have a good spot for toys. Things yeah. seem to go everywhere. They oh, they do. Overflow, right? Yeah. And they're in every space of the home. And that actually kind of leads into the third C, which we sort of talked about this container concept, which is the artificial boundary. So let's say that in my kids, they're pretty much a hundred percent in Lego land. My house is Lego land. <laughs> we don't really have any other toys though. That's what they play with the most. So we have designated space for 
the Legos. And if they were getting more of a certain thing, then they need to make decisions based upon the artificial boundary that we've created. So stuffed animals, if you're finding stuffed animals in every single crevice of your house, nook and cranny, then it's that, okay, well, we have this one shelf or this one bin and that's where the stuffed animals go. And once it's full, then we're going to play that love, like maybe no game with our kids to actually make those decisions. And I have five and seven-year-old boys and they're able to make decisions pretty well because they've been trained to do it. And we also do this with their, I'm using this air quotes, treasure boxes, shoe boxes with all of the crap, excuse my language, um, that they get right from birthday parties and from school and from all of these places. And so they start with what they love, then what they like, and then anything else goes pretty much directly in the trash. So that also, if you can't make a decision, because it is hard when you start getting to so many things it's like, oh, I don't know, kind of that maybe, then I recommend this out of sight, out of my bin where first of all, you can't see through it. Your kids can't see through it. That's very important. And then anything that's like a maybe where you can't really make that decision yet, then you put a sticky note on it and a reminder on your phone for 30, 60, 90 days and see if you miss it. And if you don't, then I challenge you not to open the bin or what I like to call Pandora's bin, because if you open it, then you're like, oh yeah, I remember that. But that way, if your kids like ask about a toy that you put in there, it's still accessible, but it's not like out and in rotation so that you can give yourself a little bit of that grace and decision-making, but you hold yourself to, I am going to make a decision once I recognize whether I really use and need this thing or not. But then you have that like 30, 60 day window. So that would be my three C's on how to actually approach decluttering. Yeah, I love that because we kind of do that. We have boxes in the garage. We have a, a shelf with boxes. And when there's something that I know we need to give away or as you said, like the crap stuff that they get at like parties and things like, oh my goodness, they got stuff at the dentist's office that I was like, really? We do not need this. It's like the sticky ball that like you play with and it sticks to everything and then it sticks to the ground and picks up junk. And I was like, oh, please no. So <laughs> immediately without opening them, I stole them from my kids. They'll probably listen to this, but yeah, I stole them from my children and like put them in the box and yeah. they, they didn't even notice they were they gone. They don't notice it. We live on opposite coasts, but apparently we have the same dentist because that just happened to my kids with like the sticky thing. And then I was putting marks on the wall and my husband's like, oh my gosh. But also with like artwork, you know, I always, I have something called artwork purgatory, which is oh. just like a hamper that I don't use for clothes in our closet. And when the kids get home from school, we look at their artwork and the things they've done. If they want to display something, we have a cork board. That's like their artificial boundary in their room to display it. Otherwise it goes in purgatory and every two to three months, I clean it out. So when we had camps and vacation Bible schools for the whole summer, all the crafts, all the things, everything went in there. No one asks about it for three months, two to three months, and it's it's gone. So that is something that's very helpful because then if you have kids that are like, mommy, I want you to pull out that picture of a dinosaur that I colored. And you're like, oh my gosh, what are they talking about? But you can actually possibly... <laughs> find said picture and then you can give it to them. But that's another helpful tool that I use is that artwork purgatory for my kids stuff. 
You're so good. I'm always like, we put it up in this artwork section, similar to like the board. We clip it all up there. And when that whole thing gets full, I'm like, okay, we got to go through it. And I go through it and like the ones that are cute, I keep those. And the ones that are like, you know, a coloring thing that they color, like, no, no, thanks. So I threw it, I threw out things in the trash and then they come over and they're like, why is my picture in the trash? <laughs> it's got to go right out to the recycle bin. Like you can't play with that. Cause I've had my five-year-old, he was like scarred for life. Like mommy, why did you throw away this coloring page? And I'm like, okay. So now I have a physical inbox in our kitchen, like a paper tray. So everything goes there so he can see it. He can talk about it, all the stuff for that day. Then it goes in purgatory because usually after that same day, he's not like asking about it or talking about it as what he did in school, but then you still have access to it. So that's my best trick for kids, schoolwork and artwork. Yeah. The artwork I, that had glitter, I could not handle it in the house. I'd put it in the garage and then anywhere in the garage, I don't care. And then eventually we'd take it down from the garage and like toss it. But the glitter definitely had to stay outside. <laughs> Understood. Oh, I love all this. This is so, uh, such great information. Decluttering and organization is just a huge topic. And there's so many things to like unpack with it, whether that be mentally and like making decisions and the toll it just takes on you without you knowing, I think is just huge. And when you start kind of decluttering, you realize a lot of that, like, oh, I have six ketchup bottles and I don't need to buy any more ketchup, right? Or, oh, you don't have any shoes. All your shoes have holes in them. Or, oh, you know, this fits or this doesn't. But you just get a better sense of like what you have and what you use and what you don't use. Yeah, you have a much better sense. So that happens to me at the grocery store. Sometimes I have to like go check so I don't end up having like six bottles of ketchup because it's like that inventory management piece again. We're having to do it with not only food, but also with clothing and with toys and books and other stuff. So we want to simplify that as much as possible because it is very taxing, like you said, on our mental capacity. Yeah. I think it's such a hidden tax, a hidden like energy suck that we don't even notice. And I've heard it said that actually things around your house are adding to your mental to-do list without you noticing like this stack of stuff over here, I need to do this with, and this stack of stuff over here, I need to take somewhere. And this is a project I need to finish, but you're not actually like mentally or physically writing them down. They're just like mentally, when you walk around your house, you're realizing these things and not even like putting it together that your brain's like, here, we have this hundred to-do list. And you're like, I'll have 10 things. Yeah. The brain sees clutter as undone tasks. So that's exactly right. And then clutter actually impacts our ability to focus and our short-term memory. There's some science behind that too. So it really is exactly like you're saying, if we don't get it out of our brain, then every time we look around, we're looking at things that we're supposed to be doing, but we're going to keep having those thoughts if we don't have a way, as I like to say, have a system around your stuff, you have to have the system around it to be able to process it because otherwise it's just going to be scattered everywhere and you're going to continue to feel that physical overwhelm and then also all the, the mental clutter too. Yeah. I've heard it said, one of the things was 
you know, if you want to, as we were talking about, start with something small, start with a win, right? Start with one little place you can declutter, maybe set up a time every week on a certain day at, you know, you do 15 minutes, but I've heard that one of the important things is to start with a space that is getting super cluttered. If there's a space that is constantly bugging you or that, you know, you're constantly tripping over your kid's shoes, that's where you should start with your 15 minutes that week of being like, okay, these shoes we trip over every day. (laughs) Nobody knows what to do with these shoes. They don't have a system. So I'm going to spend 15 minutes here and figure this out. Yeah, definitely. And also, like you said, kind of like a stress test, like what is stressing me out the most? And also surfaces are a huge thing, right? So we have our kitchen counter, we have our dining room table, like the things that end up being those cluttered drop zones, then starting there and saying like, okay, like my goal for this week is to clean off the dining room table and try to keep it that way for the week so that we can actually have a meal, you know, or something rather than you're not actually able to use things for their intended purpose because they're just the catch-all for clutter. So yeah, I think that's a really good idea as long as it's on the less emotional side. Cause I feel like if it was like every sentimental item you ever owned across the dining room table, people probably wouldn't want to tackle that. But if it's mostly like papers and receipts and junk and that kind of stuff, then yeah, I definitely agree with that. Yeah. That's like, I just heard other people suggest like where you find that like build up in your house that things are just not, don't have a home and are kind of like constantly landing somewhere. And that's kind of the spot you should work on first because it doesn't have a system. Yeah. But definitely, yeah, as you said, not the stuff you need to make really big decisions on. No, I always say like, don't start with the grandmother's china and the onesie you brought your baby home, you know, in the hospital (laughs) wearing and all that. Like, wait on that. You know, it's okay. You'll get to it eventually. But let's, like you said, have those easy wins first. Yeah. All right. So we've left our audience with just having some easy wins and making sure that they are keeping up those three C's, checking their consumption, their capacity and containers using artificial boundaries. Mm -hmm. I just love the idea of giving people a little bit of grace of like, just plan for 15 minutes, just go for an easy win. This doesn't have to be crazy. We're working up our decluttering muscle. (laughs) Exactly. I love it. So where can people find you if they want to know some more or want to listen to some more helpful tips? Yeah. Well, anywhere you're listening to Michelle, you can find me. So I am at Moms Overcoming Overwhelm. That's the name of my podcast. And I have a Facebook group where we do free decluttering challenges, 15 minutes a day, five days a week. And then I give away free coaching and gift cards for coffee. And so it's just a fun way to be in a community doing these decluttering challenges and kind of getting that little bit of a reward for your hard work. So yeah, so all of that would be in the show notes of my podcast. So that's the best place to find me. Cool. Oh, we love it. Thank you so much for just hanging out with us today. And I just hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Yeah. Thanks so much, Michelle. I appreciate it. Did this podcast bless you? Did you learn something new? Did this podcast encourage you? 
Please leave our mom a review. Pretty please. I hope you loved today's episode, friend. I pray it blessed you, encouraged you, or challenged you in some new way that is helping you. If so, would you stop right now and share this episode with someone else that needs community too? I also would love if you could take 30 seconds for me and leave me a review on Apple Podcast. This is the only way that I know that you are actually enjoying the show and that it is blessing you. Plus, it makes me happy to hear from you. Come on over to our free community, birdmichelle.com, and grab your free gifts. I have free productivity programs and everything you need to know about working with me, taking my courses, or connecting. Lastly, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you don't miss an episode. 